The following podcast contains explicit language. You retweeted an unflattering picture of her next to a picture of your wife. I didn't start it. Okay, that's, I didn't uh, start uh, it. Sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. Anytime he gets upset, anytime he gets threatened, anytime he gets scared, he begins yelling, he begins often cursing. Welcome to Trumpcast, the show about the man who says President Obama might be complicit in Islamic terrorism. That's right, Donald Trump. I'm Jacob Weisberg. You know, I don't even know what to say about Donald Trump's response to the horror in Orlando, except that it's been a horror in its own right. We usually have our friend John DiNomenico on to read Trump's latest tweets. Today, we couldn't even bring ourselves to do that because there's just nothing funny about what Donald Trump's been saying on Twitter and elsewhere. It's seriously disturbed. One of Trump's very first responses to the news about the worst mass shooting in American history was to say thanks, but he didn't need all the congratulations for being right again. His next response was to repeat his obscene call to ban all Muslims from entering the United States. And then after that, he launched right into his conspiracy mongering, saying that he didn't think this was the most likely explanation for the president's weakness on Islamic terrorism, but that a lot of people do think there's something else going on with Obama. He didn't come out and say what he thought that something else might be, but here's what he meant, that Barack Hussein Obama is one of them, the radical Muslims, and not one of us. I think there's something else going on with Donald Trump, too. It's that he doesn't have the slightest clue what he's talking about when he talks about Islam or terrorism or ISIS. And to explore all of that, I'm joined today by somebody who does. My guest today is Daniel Benjamin, the former coordinator for counterterrorism at the U.S. State Department. He was the principal advisor to Hillary Clinton on terrorism when she was secretary of state. Dan is now the director of the Dickey Center at Dartmouth. Dan, welcome to my show. Thanks for having me. So, Dan, after a terrorist attack, we always ask what we could have done differently. And with hindsight, what do you think might possibly have prevented this one? I think it's too early to say right now. I think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to um, the FBI's interviews with the shooter, Mateen. And I think there's going to be a lot of soul searching about how we create better networks, uh, voluntary awareness in communities where people like this may be uh, living so that individuals come forward and and say, I'm really worried about what this guy is going to do. But I would uh, underscore that it's really difficult to know when someone is going from being merely erratic, merely having some extreme viewpoints to being committed to violence. And um, we haven't cracked that nut yet. And it's very, very hard to do. And particularly when you don't have, you know, social media postings or uh, email intercepts or uh, wiretaps, then it's really, really difficult. And it appears this guy was largely self-contained right now. Maybe we'll find out something else in the near future. So Donald Trump says we've been weak on ISIS. We just haven't been tough. Are there policies you can think of? I mean, Trump's policies all seem to involve war crimes, you know, retaliating against the families of terrorists or carpet bombing or I guess possibly invading Syria. But are there what would what would a, a reasonable version of tougher policies mean? I don't know, to tell the truth. I uh, know from speaking with former colleagues uh, in government that they are um, going flat out to find 
every target they can in Iraq and Syria that doesn't involve unacceptable uh, civilian casualties. I think that there was a big turn made last fall when we started really going after the oil infrastructure, and uh, you know I think that was uh, a good a good move. You know the the weak link right now in the world, if you will, is Europe because they have geographical problems with their proximity to Turkey and Syria, and they had the Europeans had their heads in the sand for a long time and don't have adequate border security and don't have a lot of the systems that we've uh, really developed since 9/11 in the U.S. So that's sort of the weak link right now. But uh, I don't know you know, a tougher approach would look like. And it's important to underscore that if you're just tough for toughness sake, you're going to get blowback. You're going to get the radicalization of people you don't want radicalized. And, uh, you know, if you kill too many civilians, if you uh, if you crack down on communities through excessive surveillance, things like that, you know, that's playing into the enemy's hands. Right, because the ISIS or the ISIL narrative is that it's the West trying to destroy Islam. And exactly. there's a there's a bit of an echo of that, isn't there, in what Trump says because of the way he says that the enemy really is all Muslims. I mean, in one of the debates several months ago, I heard him say, you know, he was challenged on the idea that Muslims hate us. And he said, well, pretty much all of them, maybe not every one of them, but pretty much all of them hate us, i.e. our enemies. Uh, that is true. And uh, he has also said that there is essentially a sickness at the heart of Islam, that you can't tell the difference between those who hate us and those who don't, and uh, is certainly a worrisome situation regarding how Muslim communities in the United States will react. I mean, they're already, uh, I think, pretty agitated by all the Islamophobia that has come pouring out in this uh, campaign on in you know the Republican primaries. After the Brussels attacks in March, you wrote a piece in Politico I read that was very good, and you said I've got I've got it here. You said the GOP contenders, and this was before the primaries were fully settled. Donald Trump, above all, have managed to exacerbate the two weaknesses most likely to erode our country's safety, fear and Islamophobia. And then you went on to say U.S. politicians are, in short, inviting attack. So do you think, to put it bluntly, that Donald Trump helped to invite this attack? Well, I'm not sure I would uh, say that there was a direct connection. And I certainly would say that we need to wait and hear more about Mateen himself, because he seems like a a deeply unbalanced individual, and it's possible that uh, a lot of this was the working out of his own inner demons. But I don't think that, you know, the traditional approach of uh, trying to separate those who are on the fence or those who are not deeply uh, convinced of their extremism as opposed to the hardliners. I don't think that strategy has in any way been helped by uh, Trump. Trump's just been hammering away at this thing that Obama won't use the phrase radical Islam. Why doesn't President Obama use that phrase? And what's, what does he say instead? Violent extremism? Why, won't, why, does, why doesn't Obama say radical Islam? Because it doesn't really help us. Um, if you've got uh, you know large uh, parts of your international audience, and particularly the rulers of Muslim majority countries, who are saying to us, "Do not lump these malefactors together with ordinary Muslims." You know, our our strategy is to say this isn't Islam. We're trying to rule this out of the fold, and if 
if your rhetoric is to lump us all together, then you're undermining us. I think that that is a very uh, persuasive point. And, uh, you know, King Abdullah of Jordan said this point blank, I think, last year when he said, uh, no, uh, Obama's got it right. And uh, if you call them all, you know, Muslim extremists, then they're still Muslims. And that really undermines what, what I'm trying to do. So, uh, you know, I think there's good good reason there. I also think that this is a, a somewhat puerile campaign trick that was picked up by so many different candidates. You know, they, they don't know what they're fighting, they would say, because they can't utter the words. Well, that, that's absurd. I mean, when I, before I was in government, I wrote a book that had uh, called The Age of Sacred Terror, The uh, Radical Islam's Fight Against America or something like that. You know, it's easy for those of us who are out of government to use this terminology and to talk about it in a detached or scholarly way. But if you're in government and your words make a difference thousands of miles away, you really have to be careful. So is, does that explain – Hillary Clinton said today that she doesn't have any problem with that phrase. You know, she said she's happy to say it. She said it. Is, does she have a different policy for, from Obama on that? And is that an admission that there's something to Trump's complaint? So I don't want to speak for her. I, I would guess that she just thought this was a pseudo issue. And within the context of the campaign, if she said it and could shut him up, you know, so much the better. From having worked with her, I know that she, too, is concerned about unfairly tarring all Muslims together. And, you know, 99% of Muslims are not committing violence, so uh, 99 plus percent. So I think it's wise policy not to make them any more uncertain about how America feels about them. So you you served in, in government under both Obama and Hillary Clinton. How do you think her policy on ISIS might be different from his? Well, um, for one thing, I think she's going to work hard to get some of the uh, Arab countries in the Middle East off the sidelines, and she will have a you know an opportunity to do so when she comes in office. Where I think, unfortunately, many of them are not really uh, engaging very seriously with uh, an administration that they see to be at the end of uh, the end of its term. And I think she'll have leverage for for doing so. I think that's one thing. I do think uh, you know. When someone new comes in, they have an opportunity to review all the activities and figure out where new initiatives are appropriate. And, and there's no question that after eight years, you know, you do get tired and you do get into habits of, uh, of policy making. Uh, I think that um, she will also have a clean slate with some of the uh, partners in civil society we need to deal with, or in, in the you know the rest of the country, for example with Silicon Valley, where the encryption issue is so important. Um, They're mad at Obama. They've they've worked up. The relationship has become problematic there, and she can kind of get a fresh start. uh, That that would be my uh, surmise, although, you know, the White House is still working that one, and there's been a pilgrimage of lots of senior advisors to go out to uh, Silicon Valley to try to uh, assuage things. But, of course, the the Apple case was uh, particularly damaging and... uh, you know, sometimes you need a change of scenery. Um, Dan, let's talk for a minute about this attack through a political lens. Do you, is your instinct that this kind of terrorist attack does help Donald Trump make it more likely, even if it starts at a low probability, that he could win the election? And do you think more terrorist attacks would help him? I think it's really hard to say. Um, you know, traditionally, Americans have given the advantage, according to, you know, the pollsters on national security to Republicans, despite the fact that, you know, I don't think that 
empirically that makes any sense. That's just been where we were for the last 40, 50 years. If you look at the polling, uh, 30 to 40 percent of Americans think that Secretary Clinton will be a lot stronger on foreign policy. And throughout the campaign, she always was the leader uh, of all the candidates on both sides of the uh, aisle on uh, terrorism and counterterrorism. And if anything, you have to wonder if, if Trump isn't shooting himself in the foot with some of these things. Yes, there's definitely a Trump constituency out there that, as the uh, political scientists and pollsters have shown, is really animated by uh, anti-Islamic sentiment, and that's really worrisome. But I think that an awful lot of Americans probably are repelled by uh, remarks about, you know, a, a ban on immigration, a national registry, about going way beyond torture. I, you know, it's hard for me to believe that uh, he has a natural advantage there by any means, and it may come come down to hurting him. The other thing is he came out of the blocks instantly with partisan attacks, you know, in the wake of uh of Orlando, and uh, for some people at least, that will seem that will be unseemly. As a general rule, when I think back, for example, to the bombing of the USS Cole in October of uh, 2000, there was a kind of unwritten rule that we don't uh, start pointing fingers on uh, on something like that immediately. And he's been out there essentially linking the president in some wacky way. Uh, to this attack, which is which is truly disgusting. Although he's so vague about it that it's hard to say what he's saying. He's saying either o- Obama is weak and an idiot, or there's something else. And then exactly. what's that something else? You fill in that blank yourself. Right, right. I mean, he he does make Senator McCarthy look like a paragon of uh, <laughs> concreteness. But the implication there presumably is that because there's still a lot of people out there on the right who think Obama's a secret Muslim, wasn't born in America, it isn't really American, it's really – basically the implication there is Obama is somehow on the side of America's enemies. Yeah, it's appalling. I mean, it's truly revolting. We've been reading about how these this ISIL messaging goes out, and there there was apparently a message encouraging people who were inspired by ISIL wherever to to carry out attacks on civilians during Ramadan. What else do we know from that kind of messaging, and how worried do you think we should be about more attacks in the days and months ahead? You know, right now it looks like the uh, Orlando shooter was acting on his own initiative and uh, maybe was inspired by ISIS, although he appears to have expressed support for a variety of different terrorist groups, some of whom are uh, trying to kill each other. So he seems to have been a pretty confused uh, individual and maybe even uh, deeply unbalanced if you judge by the testimony of his ex-wife and co-workers. Um, there's no question that ISIS is playing off what might be called the Anwar al-Alaki playbook, which is appealing for people to carry out individual acts of violence wherever they may be. And uh, you can't rule out the possibility that there will be more and that, in fact, uh, some may even be inspired by what they saw in Orlando. Uh, you know, that said, we have uh, good law enforcement. And while it's very, very difficult to prevent the uh, lone wolf, I don't think people ought to be especially fearful right now of another attack. Remember, the the odds are still very, very low that you'll be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Is there such a thing as an ISIL view of the U.S. election? Do we know who they would rather have as the next U.S. president? So I'm unaware of that. 
you know, historically, jihadist groups have taken a kind of uh, Leninist view that they wanted to maximize the contradictions. They wanted to have the most antithetical candidate prevailed so that they could make their argument even more strongly that, uh, in this case, the U.S. seeks to destroy Islam and is a uh, uh, is unalterably opposed to uh, Muslims, the Islamic State, etc. But my sense is that, you know, for them, uh, either candidate will be enemy enough. I haven't seen any propaganda about who they would prefer to see uh, win, uh, but I, I don't know for a fact it's not out there. My guest today has been Daniel Benjamin. Dan, thanks for joining me on Trumpcast. Oh, my pleasure. That's it for today's show. Our producers were Jason DeLeon and Henry Malovsky. Steve Lichtai is the executive producer of Slate Podcasts. Andy Bowers is our chief content officer. I'm Jacob Weisberg. Thanks for listening to Trumpcast. Trumpcast.